You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Welcome to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off, and I am Linda Martinelli. I am here with Becky Colminen, our wonderful voice talent. And I, <laughs> it's you and me today, Becky. I'm excited. I'm yes. excited because we can have all kinds of different conversations. And I'm going to start with one that just annoys the heck out of me. So now they've found all these classified documents, the think tank for uh, Joe Biden's socialist agenda, basically. Um, so they found classified documents locked in his office there in a closet. And then they found more classified documents in his garage in Wilmington, Delaware, his garage right next to his Corvette parked in the garage, classified <laughs> documents. And now they've found more documents in a third place. And I'm, I'm not sure it's some file cabinets, but I'm not sure exactly where that is yet. Rehoboth beach. Okay. His second home or third home. Oh, well, uh, so, home. so he's got documents all over the place. So they have now hired a, uh, or appointed a special prosecutor to look into this. Um, the, the thing that is really upsetting besides the classified documents is the FBI went in the dark of night to Donald Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago and raided it for classified documents. And Joe Biden made a big deal about, you know, how, how horrible he was and how awful this was when he's doing the same thing in much less secure places in his garage next to his car in a home that he doesn't live in. It's just an extra home. And I and in a a public building that is the think tank building, I I just don't understand. And he he continues to say, well, everybody knows that I really take you know classified documents in America's security um, seriously. Okay, so here is what I'm saying. Seriously, Joe? No, I don't think so. This is far worse than President Trump. And by the way, they all take classified documents of some sort because they write things and they they have the option of declassifying, although he was not the president at the time. So he could not declassify those documents, but President Trump could. So I, you know, why is the news not all, all over this like they were all over Trump? Why are we not seeing the outrage over three locations so far who knows how many more there are i'm just i'm just that we have two different systems of justice and it makes me mad you know i'm looking at the article right now and this seems deep to me and i may be thinking way too much on it but he says and i quote i'm going to get the chance to speak on all of this god willing it'll be soon but I said earlier this week, 
And by the way, my Corvette is in a locked garage. It's not <laughs> like it's sitting out in the street. Okay, so take, you know, if I'm going to deconstruct this, because this is making me think, I'm going to get the chance to speak on all of this. God willing, it'll be soon. So he apparently, I'm assuming, is having to allow maybe lawyers or somebody else to be controlling as to when he speaks on this. Because clearly, clearly he's. He's having to wait. And so the other people, the other people, whoever they are, are organizing and scattering. I'm just envisioning little mice running around going with, with their heads cut off, you know, and um, it's in his garage. And I love it's like it's next to my Corvette. Oh, it's at one of my other homes. I'm not sure which, but it's <laughs> um, it, like I'm envisioning, you know, the paper bank boxes. The banker boxes, yeah, you know, the banker's boxes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably there and it's marked, you know, like high school papers from 1964 or something. And it's just to be, that's how I'm, that's my security system. I'm going to mark it as my high school papers from 1964. And if it was in my garage, mice would come in and eat those papers. <laughs> how convenient would that be? Oh my gosh, that's what we're going to hear next. Not the dog ate my papers, but no, they've been in there for a couple of years. And I guess the mice got to them, ate right through the box. Look, that'll be like, it'll be like another OJ Simpson trial. It'll be like the glove doesn't fit. Look at the so box. He, he had those papers as vice president. He had those papers the whole four years that Donald Trump was president when he was in no office at all. I mean, that is not legal. So. It's going to be really interesting to watch the cover up that the Democrats are going to do on this because you know that they are as they persecuted and prosecuted Donald Trump and hired a special prosecutor. And they did, you know, all of these things. But they knew, Becky, that that these papers, they found these papers before the midterm elections. So. Why do you think that they held on to that information and didn't tell the public that before the election. So calculated. Isn't that, isn't that kind of fraud when you, when you misdirect the public so that the vote turns out another way, that's not right either. <laughs> and, and you notice that they, that that's they went to Trump's fraud. house just before the election. That's describing fraud. That's exactly right. It's <laughs> the definition. Oh yeah. my goodness. They have a photo here of him in his little Corvette. And it says that he's it says then presidential candidate Joe Biden is seen backing into what appears to be his Wilmington, Delaware driveway in a 2020 campaign video. And it's showing his garage. It looks like he's a hoarder. He's oh, got boxes and boxes of junk in the garage. Um, he also states I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department. And he says, you know, I take my documents and classified materials seriously. Except at this point, if it's been disclosed that they've been sitting in a garage in his home, I don't think that's real serious. They're taking something very seriously. No. And, you know, honestly, the ones the ones that are, I've been to Mar-a-Lago, so the ones that were at President Trump's house 
were in a um, a special room with lots of uh, security locks and things that that is is a storage area. Okay, and and it's within his property. It's not on the outside like your garage is. It's within his property, and his property has security twenty four seven. So they made this big deal about Donald Trump. They need to drop everything on Donald Trump. So either they need to prosecute them both or they need to probably drop them both because they can't, you can't have it both ways. And that's, yeah. that's what's annoying is that this, this man, Joe Biden castigated Donald Trump over yeah. papers and yeah. yet he did it three times over so far. That's what we know so far. And it's interesting that since they knew that these papers were found back in before November and they didn't tell anybody, now they come out as though it's new news. Of course, it's new news to all of us, right? But it's not new news to them. And I don't know, it just it's just reeks of just just I don't know. It it reeks is, is what I can say. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not right. It's not, it's not fair to all of us to keep us in the dark and spoon feed us information when it's convenient for you to do so. Well, according to him, quote, God willing, we'll know soon. Yeah. <laughs> he said. He doesn't want to talk about it. I don't know of if, you, if you uh, saw on, on the news when, Peter Ducey got up and asked about it. Uh, Peter Ducey said, what were you thinking in your garage next to your Corvette? What were you thinking? <laughs> and how can he respond to that even? Except, you know, it's, He's I remember. Stumbled. Yeah, well, I remember yeah. a few things from my high school government class because I had the most amazing teacher ever. But one of the things I remember, it was a term that I had to memorize and it was begging the question. And that, for some reason, has stuck with me. And I just envision that's exactly what happened during questioning when someone, and for the definition, when someone asks you a question and you don't answer and you, in normal English, beat around the bush, you go around the block, you don't answer, it's begging the question. And oftentimes asking a question to answer a question. And yeah. so he's... They politicians are very, very slick at begging the question. I watch interviews, the the ones that come on. I mean, I don't go looking for them most of the time, but, you know, with news alerts that come on with the president or other politicians, news breaks and things. And when the press is asking questions, it is humorous to me the times that the candidate or person in public office will not answer that direct question by pontificating. Yes. Another, or just blah, 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 blah. And has it sound like the sauce on top of the steak, but it really doesn't provide any nutritional value. It doesn't <laughs> give you anything. It doesn't give you anything except empty calories. It's like, no, a I'm the, I'm the one yelling at the television saying, answer the question. You're right. not answering the question because somehow they think that we are all stupid. Now, I was really happy to see, and and 
give me just a few more minutes of politics of here. Um, I was really happy to see that uh, Kevin McCarthy took people like Ilhan Omar and uh, Adam Schiff and uh, who's the other the other one that that caused a lot of trouble um, from California off of their committees. And I'm really happy to see that because, you know, we're, we're kind of right now in the stage of, Hey, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You guys did all these things uh, to, to conservatives and to the president. And, you know, a, a little bit of turnabout is fair play. And part of me says, I'm tired of it. I, I don't want to go through it again. The other part of me says, you should not be allowed to get away with this. And, and you need to know that, that if you do these things, that it's going to come back to bite you. I, that's, that's kind of my thought on it, even though I don't want to go through all the, all the dissension that we have in, in politics. I don't know what's going to stop that at this point. It just seems to get dirtier and dirtier, doesn't it? It does. And it's, and it's not little things. It's big things now, you know, kind of used to be saying something like somebody's fingers are too small or what now it's like really nasty stuff, but the dishonesty Mm -hmm. in our politicians at every level, at every single level is, is so completely frustrating. And I, I literally am talking from the president and the vice president and the speakers of the house, the senators, the Congress people, but the judges, the district attorneys, the, um, the people in your local school boards, you know, I mean, it's everybody there's, there, there are problems everywhere. And I just wonder how we got so evil in, in politics in our country. Greed. Remember the old movie with Michael Douglas, wall street, wall street. Yeah. Greed is good. I think a lot of it is power because typically people in high power positions are, are are hungry for that control and power. And there isn't a person in a higher position than the president of the United States. And then it trickles down to politicians in general. Now we have um, George Santos which we could probably talk about for a long time with what he's fabricating with his. um, Well, with his background and his education, right? Yes. um, Resume resume is what I was coming up with. But but, but so, but so did um, the, the, the one in uh, what's her name in Congress or in um, the Senate that said she was Indian, you know, I mean, oh. she, she fabricated things on her documents into colleges. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. The links that people will go to, to reach status and position. And keep it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then, yeah, I don't, you know, we've now also reached a, a point in society where there seems to be a dichotomy between a blanket forgiveness for certain people, yes, you've had extramarital affairs. Yes, you're keeping classified documents in your garage, but we forgive you and we're going to move on. I can, you know, we can list a lot of 
a lot of those people. But then on the other hand, you have people who make one little error and you're erased. You're like erased from society and you're, you're no longer relevant and everything you've worked for is now done, gone because you did something 20 years ago that may or may not have actually happened or it wasn't something wasn't intentional, but you know, your past, your past, even from 20 to 40 years ago seems relevant at the moment. It's like, they're not, there's a, what, what do I want to say? There is different sta- seems to be different standards. Yes. There, there are two sets of justice in this country and that's, that's what's frustrating to me is we, we, we've really gotten that, you know, you said one little statement there that, that really resonated with me. And you said that, that there's no higher uh, power than the president of the United States. And, and that's exactly what we have forgotten in the United States. We have forgotten that there is a higher power and we, we just don't even think about it anymore. I know you do, but I'm saying America as a rule, because I don't think if we um, believed in God and practiced our, um, our beliefs, you know, things like in the 10 commandments, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not uh, do all the things that it says in the 10 commandments, we would have a better life. All of us, we, we would be respecting um, our spouses. We would be respecting other people. We would be not stealing, not killing, you know, but, but we have forgotten about that higher power that is there. That, that really to me has always been a roadmap in my life of the way to, to live my life. Right. And, and I think people have lost their roadmaps. Well, and thank you for sharing that because you know me. And as far as I am concerned, we have become or are becoming a pretty godless yeah. society. And that is our downfall as throughout history from biblical times. That is, I talk about power, <laughs> you know, to, to say that any human has power from my perspective and my belief is that God is the ultimate with what goes on and power and, and control. Um, We have all the opportunities in the world to make poor choices. um, And thankfully sometimes good choices in alignment, hopefully with how we are led. But I'm not so much sure that we have forgotten about God as we intentionally have walked away. And that is what bothers me the most is because that is getting stronger and stronger. As long as that 1% voice is louder than the Christian spectrum. um, There's no way. I mean, I, I don't know how people can forget God. God is still everywhere and there are still good people. And there are people of faith that are fighting for change, for better change. But people are intentionally, actively walking away from God and removing God from society and from daily life and from schools. Like, you know, schools. Um, 
working very hard to remove God so that, and we all know this, but nobody wants to admit it so that we can do what we want to do. But that, and in doing that, we are easily controlled and, and turned into a socialist country that it's just, it's just something that people have been so, so blind to. So anyway, we'll see what happens with the Biden classified document scandal and keep talking about it right here on Ladies of Liberty. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. You know, I have been thinking about something. I've been thinking about family, and I had a great grandmother. I was privileged to have been in my twenty, like mid mid to late twenties, before she passed at age ninety six, and she was a teacher at age sixteen. This was in nineteen oh nineteen oh nine, I think it was. She was born in eight. 1893. And at age 16, she earned her teacher certificate and she taught at a one room schoolhouse in mid Michigan and had every, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade, essentially. And I got to know her and she was a very well educated woman, strong, independent, marvelous, loving, awesome person. And I got to thinking about what she must have taught in that little one room school. And those were the basics. Those were reading, writing, arithmetic. I would imagine there was literature, knowing her, and music. So fast forward through the years with technology, with life changes, with developments and all. Something that I'm learning in education today is a lot of those basics are sort of getting swept under the rug when it comes time for graduation. And I'm actually appalled to learn the degree of literacy in this country for people that graduate high school. 
it's it's shocking actually to know that 32 million adults in the United States can't read above the fifth grade level and 19% of high school graduates cannot read. I find that, how? How are we graduating students without them being able to read? I mean, I can understand some that have difficulty reading, some that just might not be good readers. How do you graduate a kid who can't read? I, I, I can't even imagine how they're getting through the system. How are we getting through the system being uneducated on high school levels, on in a college level? There's something, we talked about this, I think, one other time. There is an app now that students can get for free that will write your term papers for you. And it's all over the news now that students are doing this and there's everything is electronic now. I, you know, remember we used to use the typewriter. I still have my typewriter. Yes. We used a typewriter to type our term papers and we had the little pieces of paper, the whiteout paper that you would stick, you know, and one letter. It was horrid. It was terrible. And it took us all night long, you know, hence the pizza and beer. Whoops, not beer, pop. The pizza and pop (laughs) at midnight, trying to get these papers done. Now all you have to do is through your laptop, which everybody I'm sure has a laptop, and you can run it through this app or vice versa. I don't really know how it works. And it will write it for you. I don't even understand that. That just But when you turn it in, the teacher, the instructors now, have to run the papers through another program to find out if the student's paper has been plagiarized. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine. You know, well, so people are trying to, um, how are they getting through college without being able to write a paper? Well, I'll tell how- you how. Because this is, this, I'm passionate about this subject, very, very passionate, passionate about it. Starting in grammar school, you know, we, we started with the, the whole woke thing where back in my day, you know, we had spelling bees and we had lots yeah. of uh, competition in class to, to be better. We also stood up and had to do um, book reports from memory. We had to stand at our desk and uh, answer all kinds of questions, you know, that the teacher would ask. Well, then they made everybody it's everybody get a trophy nobody's feelings can get hurt so we can't have spelling bees which really helped kids learn how to spell being competitive is such an amazingly wonderful tool in your toolbox of life to make you be better not necessarily better than other people but it's possible if you're good at something sure but it makes you be better for yourself when, when you have healthy competition, they've taken all that away. And then they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, Becky, by giving them a low grade. And if, if you hold somebody back, the parent is more likely than not to come in and complain. And I'll give you an example in college, but I, right in a second, because I want to stay with the grammar schools, because this is where this starts. They took out everything that's competitive for the kids and and they 
they took out the things that like a lot of kids have no homework now. And we had a lot of homework. They, they just have taken out everything because what they say is, well, you know, we've got to take out math because black students don't do math as well as white students, which is actually just such a, a, a lie is the only way I can put it. Do you know that we are in the space program because of several black women, scientists, mathematicians? I mean, they, the color of your skin does not say whether you can do a subject or not do it. Yet this is what our schools are saying. So they've dumbed down everything and they pass you through and they pass you through. And what happens is such a disservice to our children who can't read literally. I cannot tell you as an employer out of hundreds of job applications I would receive, there probably was 5% that were even legible without misspellings or so off the subject of what a resume would be so misspelled, so incoherent, 95% of them, it's horrible. And when I get somebody that can walk in my office and look me in the eye and speak to me and, and just speak like a person without asking me, you know, what all your benefits are for the first question, I'm not <laughs> impressed You're anymore. You're so right. You're so yeah. right. It's, it's terrible. What we've done educationally to our kids is terrible. Every bit of it has to do with this whole woke, uh, give everybody a trophy. We can't hurt anybody's feelings. This color of child is not the same as that color of child, which is interesting because they, they, they're the ones who tell us that we're all the same. So then why do you treat us differently like that? You know, this, this is a nightmare. I want to, I just want to say one more thing about college. My husband, um, who, who is a PhD in, in, uh, criminology um, has been a professor in the doctorate programs. And the last one he worked in was a, a master's program in a very well-known university. And he, he had these kids in a class and he would give them, you know, the syllabus and what they're going to do. And he gave them here, here's the deal. You don't do the work on time. Then you, you're going to get, a zero or an F for it. So here, all I'm asking you is really simple stuff. You, you turn the work in. He at master's level, master's level, which by the way, means that you are a master of the subject that you are, are trying to get a master's in. Um, they, the kids did not do the exams in time. They were completely illiterate in their the the theses and the things that they wrote and those who didn't do the work and take the tests on time did not pass they got together and they went to the the school and they said this is not fair and they came back to my husband and said well this student's complaining and he said i don't care that student does not deserve a master's. They did not do the work. They did not master the subject. And, and it, it was all laid out, you know, here's what you have to do to the school 
took those students, let them take a summer school class and passed them all. And my husband quit. He said, if, if, if you are going to kind of bastardize the, the process and these people are going to graduate when they're not qualified to have their degree, I can't abide by that. And that's what's happening. And what the school said to my husband is, well, you know, they paid, they paid for the class. That's what they said. So the payment equals you passing whether you actually deserve to pass or not. So you said something, Linda, about being competitive and how competitiveness is gone, has been taken away. And I remember having to stand in elementary school when you were addressed by the teacher, you stood. Yes. Not only showed respect, but it helped you with with so many things socially. You're standing before your peers. Um, it just, it helps you in life because at some point you're going to be addressing other human beings and you just need to learn to do that. But when you, the everybody's a winner and everybody gets an award, a prize, a trophy. So that's been happening. How is that working for us? Do you know the number of kids that are on anti-anxiety meds today because they're all winners? Yeah. It's still not enough. So the yeah. competition was too much. So we don't, we don't want the kids to feel that stress in the room. So they shouldn't have to stand when they're addressed. They shouldn't have to be giving these speeches because my kid just, they'll be sick before he does that. He's so nervous. Okay. So we want to make everybody comfortable. Everybody will be comfortable. So now more than ever, we have kids in the schools being given medication before their day begins. Kids, yeah. I literally, I went to a school and this was, that doesn't really matter, but I went to a school um, with a mom who was dropping her grade school child off. And she said, do you see this line that's going into the principal's office? I said, yeah, it's eight o'clock in the morning. What's up with that? She said, they're all going inside to get their daily dose of anti-anxiety meds. That's all terrible. And this goes back. It goes back a lot to parenting because parents have abdicated their responsibility to be parents and educate their children along with the school and just thought that the school could do it and mom will go to work. And, and by the way, I'm somebody that's worked my whole life and, and I have four kids, but they, they have just not paid attention to what's happening with their kids. They're not involved in, you know, the school board meetings, what less than 3% turnout for school board um, elections is, is, mm. just, and it's wow. such an important thing, a school board, because it determines how your kids are taught. So maybe the, the one silver lining of COVID was parents understanding more about what their kids were learning and not learning. But we, th my, my, just kind of my final opinion here is the, the, education uh, system in our country is so very broken and it's so very broken because of these unions, these teachers unions and the, the education union, um, the, the socialist lady that's at the top of that, that now has decided that, um, Oh, maybe, maybe the lockdowns and staying home didn't work so well. 
really? I mean, you're the one who told everybody that they had to keep staying home. No, we, we've done extreme damage and we need to repair. We need to repair it and get back to basics. I don't want my kids talk, taught about Muslim religions and about LGBTQ. I want them taught how to read. I want them to be taught how to write coherently, right? I mean, you, that you can write something and it's coherent. Um, how to do basic math, things like that. That's what history civics. Those are the things I want taught. And those are the basics. Those are the fundamentals that everyone should have in order to be an up. Uh, I can't say upstanding because it's more than just the basics of schooling, but to be an, a well-educated person, there are basics that you need to know. And I think schools have gotten away from that for a few reasons, but the other thing, which is for another show, but I think sports plays a big part of this as well, because sports sure. has been taking over fundamental education. But one of the things that I was thinking about that, that has changed dramatically just in my short time period from high school to now is that when I was in high school, we had to take a typing class. And typing was a fundamental if you were, especially for a female, if you were going to work in an office situation and once you went on to higher education, you had to present papers. That's just a general term for you had to write, you know, a glorified book report and you couldn't handwrite it. You had to type it. You had to type it on a typewriter. And that was a gift that I received for high school graduation. So fast forward and I, some of the kids that I taught, and I say kids, like early 20-somethings, say, you took typing in high school? They started typing on a keyboard when they were six, five, six, seven, eight years old. But they're typing on a keyboard like we could not have imagined when, you know, when we were young. Right. So they're learning those skills for different reasons. But take it another step further, they're not learning the typing for the purposes of I can get a job and this is how I can feed myself. They're now learning to type with their thumbs. So in oh, a way, okay. it's sort of yeah. it's sort of dumbing things down. It's like, well, I don't I know a lot of people, oddly enough, that don't know how to type. A lot of the 20 something, they don't know really how to type. They they use their thumbs. And we're going to get to a point where it's just going to be voice recognition. And so jumping back again to my great-grandmother's time, 1909, one of the fundamentals that was in her classroom, assuredly, was script handwriting. Yes. Think about that, Linda. That's all but gone now. I it know, is now considered an sad. art form. It is sad. That was part of who you are. I mean, it was so important that the signing of the Declaration of Independence, you had to sign your name, not in block letters, not cutesy block letters with hearts over the eye, not Alexander Hamilton with a, a heart over it. It was a beautiful script writing. And it was part of being a, a sophisticated, well-educated person. And we have thrown that away.
was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Becky, I'm going to put you on the spot. So you told me a story personally. And I'm going to blab it to the whole radio. Uh, (laughs) um, You have a concern about your daughter, who's an adult, who is going to be taking a trip to a concert in downtown Los Angeles. So I, I, I just think it's a subject that so many of us parents can relate to with our kids in today's time, where there are cities and places that you feel a little safer in and there are ones that you don't feel safe in. And I want to have that conversation, like what's in her mind, what's in your mind as a parent and how do you kind of um, reconcile that together? Boy, that's a good question. (laughs) This has been a kind of a big deal all the way around. She's 22, an adult technically, but a young adult from uh, and coming from a place where she's not very worldly. She's not very travel savvy or big city savvy and kind of a homebody. And she and her friend are going on this adventure to go to a concert in Los Angeles. And it freaks me out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really pleased about it at all. However, here's the situation in my head and in my heart. When I was her exact age, I traveled. I was single and having a blast. And I traveled to California. I've been where she's going. But it was a different decade and a different time, a different era. Yes, there were some areas there in LA that were pretty bad. We didn't go there. And I stayed with people that I knew who knew the area. We were completely safe the whole time. This is just our daughter and her friend trying to navigate this themselves because they're completely obsessed with this singer. I want her to be safe, obviously. I also want her to have fun in life. 
And she's feeling right now, like I'm saying, just don't do anything. Just be safe because you can go here and have trouble. You can go there and have trouble. And she always thinks that I think that wherever she goes, somebody's trying to slip something in her drink or somebody's because I'm always telling her if you're at a restaurant, if you're at a bar and she's not a bar hopper, but on occasion, if she's at a, let's say bar slash restaurant, I'm the one who's saying, when you go to these places, you make sure you get your drink. Nobody else brings you a drink because it happens. I've watched too many made for TV movies where it happens and the mom, you know, and the mom ends up having to infiltrate the camp and get the kids out. And they're all handcuffed inside an old, old train thing. It's just, you know, your brain can really, really go there and go to the extremes, which is kind of, it does happen. And I have to tell you (laughs) that it happened to me years and years and years ago. Um, That happened to me, not in a bar, but at a party. And, and it's something to really think about because you're just very vulnerable. However, they just came out with, and this might be good for moms to know, little strips that you can carry with you, um, kind of like those little um, pregnancy strips, yeah. <laughs> um, little little strips that you can dip in your drink and see if there is a foreign substance that, that has been put into it. Oh, I like that. Yeah, That's I like art. that too. It's just That's just one art. little more level of being safe. Um, so navigating these things now is completely different, and safety is an issue. Um, and you, because you love your children, your young adult child so much, you want to respect their freedom. You and you, but you don't want them to make dumb choices or poor choices. Um, and you, you know, they're, they're going to do what they're going to do, but you just hope and pray that everything you've said will stick in their head. And maybe the other thing, Linda, that scares me the most is knowing when I was her age, I didn't, (laughs) (laughs) you know, there are those moments where you're like, oh man, okay, this is new. This is fun. Haven't done this before. This is great. Um, And those are the moments that I have several mom friends that I'm blanking on the young woman's name, but um, for us, it's the consummate horror story of the, I think it was a high school student or college student that graduated and went on a trip to the tropics she was not a drinker. She was an A student and she wound up going off with two guys and has never been seen again. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. I know exactly. Um, I, in, in Aruba. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm yeah. I was there right before that happened. I know exactly where she stayed and where, where yeah. she was. And yeah, that's, um, and, and that would be my advice. Um, to your daughter and to her friends to not split up at all, you know, oh, um, no, no, no matter what and stick together because there's safety in numbers and that's, that's what you want to do. So I, I, I mean, just I know think we have to think there. more about it. It's, you know, it's just very sad that the world has reached this point where it's not as safe as it used to be. 
and that there are some real mental cases out there lurking. And I don't know if they always were, but it just seems like there's exponentially more. I mean, I, I knew people in the late 70s and 80s that would go backpacking. It was such a thing to go backpacking in Europe as a single female. I don't want her really. And I traveled. I flew to Portland, Oregon. We were talking about that. I flew all by myself to Portland, Oregon. I actually just flew all by myself to Tasmania, Australia, and New Zealand. But that's that's different. Um, it was a whole different setup. And I was going to see a family. And literally, once you get on the airplane in San Francisco, you don't get off until you're at the other side of the world. Um, and everything about that was completely safe in the airports and all. But um, I, being a person of Christian beliefs and morals, I would find it difficult to be comfortable traveling alone by myself. You meet all kinds of people, which I love about travel. And I think it's really important for people to travel so that you can experience other ways of living and, um, and uh, other opinions and lifestyles and, and all. And food. Don't forget the food. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's half of why we travel is for food. But it's difficult to know how much to be involved in this. And I did learn a little lesson with perhaps overstepping a bit, um, trying to drill in that message, you know. And, you know, if you had a conversation with someone where, you know, when a person gets it, you can see in their face, their body yeah, language, yeah. it'll click. Well, when it's not clicking, I have what I like to say, I will Yahtzee my words again, throw it out on the table and deliver it again to them in a different form and see if that clicks that way. And so I've often been accused, at least by my husband and daughter, of saying, you just don't let up. You just keep coming back with it. You keep coming back with it. I'm like, because the first time I said it, you didn't get it. The second time I said it a different way, you still didn't get it. I've got a lot more tries here. And when I see <laughs> finally get it, then I can breathe. And thankfully with our daughter, she gets it pretty quick and she is a great listener and she does have a good head on her shoulders. My mother would have said the same thing about me. Um, and I just did what I wanted to do sometimes. And, you know, I, I don't want to project but I'm just hoping that she's going to be smart. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's exactly it. And, and as parents, we're going to tell our kids how to be smart. And I still do that, you know, with, with my kids who are, you know, in their thirties and I have one that's over, a little over 40. I, I still do tell them, you know, because I have that many more years of experience and I have the benefit of having, you know, law enforcement background. I, I've seen a lot of things that the average person doesn't get to see. And I understand that there is an evil element out there that you need to watch out for. So you just take some precautions. Um, you know, we I asked how she was going to get around. And I, I think Uber was a good answer. And I suggested that she doesn't take a bus things like that. Personally, I would not go into Los Angeles myself by myself. Um, of course, she's not going by herself. She's going with a friend or more than one. I don't know. Um, so, so there's some safety in numbers, 
and you stay in a place that is uh, safe and you, you know, you, you just have to take all the precautions, you know, keep your head on a swivel. You know, the one thing, Becky, that people in general do not do that I learned to do, and it's benefited me greatly, is I, everywhere I go, um, in, in a venue, in a, in a grocery store, in a restaurant, in an airport, in an airplane, I look at people. I mean, I really look at them and I, I look at them in the eye. Most people avoid looking at other people, but I look at them because I want to know what they're up to. And there, there have been several times, especially um, once in, in an airport and uh, once in a foreign country, where I've brought things to the attention of authorities there. And both things were real things that, that I caught by paying attention. Oh, so that's what you want to do is you don't want to look away from people. You want to check everybody out and you know, okay, well that guy looks kind of shady. So I think I'll back up over here and go another direction. Those kinds of things. You just want to know. So, I mean, it's up to us, I think. And so I'm supporting you a thousand percent in your voicing your opinion because experience matters. Life experience matters. It means something. In other countries, like in Italy, even in China, they they value that. They value that life experience. And in America, we don't. They poo-poo us as we don't know what we're talking about. But but we do know because we, we've been there and done it. And like you, um, I was a little bit of a rabble rouser and I went to um, some things probably that I would have been better off not going to. And I found myself in situations, never a really, really bad one, but I found myself in situations that I I had to think twice about and this is not good and I need to extricate myself from this situation and and did so but you have to have the heads up and the moxie to do that right you can't be yeah a wallflower and try to right. do that right yeah and everything hindsight is 2020 but you do need to be in the moment strong enough to stand up for what you know is right and like i've told her i said you listen to your gut yep if you're if something feels off it is off and don't hesitate. If you know it's off, it, I mean, if you, if you think, if you even hesitate and think it's off, chances are it is, it is off. And that's a, that's a nudge that you get. Yeah. That says mm, something is not right here. Um, and so <laughs> there, there have been a couple occasions where now as an adult, and thankfully I still have my parents with me at 88 and 84 and I can, <laughs> I can say to them humorously now, what were you thinking? Why did you let me go do that? Are you crazy? <laughs> oh my word. Yeah, I one fun well, it's funny now, but one funny thing when I was probably sixteen or seventeen. I was probably seventeen. And grew up in Michigan and my father taught me how to drive in the snow. And I mean a lot of snow drove me into a ditch, got out of the car, said, get yourself out, um, did donuts in the parking lot. I knew how to drive. Good for him. And, and a stick shift car, no less. It's a little Mustang. Wish I had that. Um, there, my aunt 
lives about an hour and a half west of us on the west coast of Michigan, which is like the Malibu of the Midwest. It's a marvelous place. And I was hellbound to get there because my friends were there and it was New Year's Eve. And everybody was home from school. And so I remember my parents saying, please don't go. Don't go. It's not going to be safe. We're going to get like 15 inches of snow. That's not a that's not a little bit of snow. This is a snowstorm. And when you head west from mid-Michigan, if you head west, double it. There will be more oh, because okay. of because of the lake. It's what's called lake effect snow. And it's right. real. And you get more. Always. And I insisted. Absolutely insisted. And my mom threatened to take the keys away. And my dad just said, we have to let her go. And a one and a half hour trip took me four hours. And that was before cell phones, no cell phones. So at one point I was having trouble moving on the road. It was a rear wheel drive Ford Mustang stick shift. And I had to pull over at a grocery store and call my aunt who was yet almost 45 minutes still further West. And my uncle said, buy some kitty litter and throw it in the trunk. You need some weight in there. And I did, I made it, I made it there. I drove there. Um, and once I got there, it was early evening <laughs> and then we got into a yet smaller vehicle and drove 35 minutes South along the shore to a party. It's like, and by the time we got home at two in the morning, we had to abandon the vehicle on a hill because there was so much snow, it wouldn't go up. And we walked home with, you know, with our party shoes and stuff on, we walked home at that point. <clears throat> don't tell my daughter this, but it was one of the most fun nights I've ever had. <laughs> don't tell her that. But I can think now, of a ton of different memories of things that I shouldn't have done, but did. So she's going to be fine. Um, but I still, I still reserve the right as a parent to speak my mind and uh, reserve your right to speak your mind. And they're going to do with it what they will. But maybe she picked up a little uh, golden ticket somewhere in there that will do her some good on her travels. So I wish her well. I want to hear what happens when Thank she gets back. Thank you. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 